Hello and welcome back to the What The Fork Sunderland Preview Podcast. I finally got my first prediction right as Sunderland ended their Easter weekend with a very respectable 1-1 draw against automatic promotion rivals Peterborough United. However, it's just eight games to go and our season really is pretty much reaching squeaky bomb time. And of course, Charlton Athletic will be the first side to test our resolve as they travel north to face Sunderland at the Stadium Light on Saturday. And to discuss the game and Charlton's season as a whole is one man who I did my first ever preview podcast with, I think, um, one of my oldest podcast pals, the delightful Nathan Muller from Charlton Live. Nathan, how are you doing? Are you all right? Living the dream, mate. Trying to. Looking, yeah. forward, to the, looking forward to the weekend, just nervously um, looking at the table, how it's shaping up. Still can't believe we're in with a shout, to be honest, how woeful we've been, which I'm sure we'll get on to, but... Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure you're hoping that we lose every game now, just in case we sneak into the playoffs. But uh, yeah, no, it's nice to see you guys doing some doing uh, doing well and have a change of fortunes for a change. I think it's of course the time when we can't actually go to the games that's something to play in, all right. But <laughs> yeah. that's fine. That's fine. Better than better us not be then doing well and be then doing badly. I guess in a way, um, I think we will get probably straight to it. Things have changed a hell of a lot of both clubs since we last faced each other. I think I said off air, the fact that the cover photo of our last podcast that we did together was Johnny Williams and Danny Graham probably (laughs) says an awful lot. But before we deep dive, because there's a lot to get into with Charlton, we'll start off with the most recent stuff. You won 1-0 away at Doncaster on Friday. How was the performance? Um, I mean, we didn't have as much as the ball as we probably would have liked. Uh, I think Doncaster were a good good football inside, but I think they're quite toothless up top since... Uh, Darren Moore left and Butler's gone in there. They just seem a bit, I mean, not being funny, they've got Omar Bogle up there, really, which we let him go after playing about 10 games. So, don't surprise me too much. But, yeah, this, we didn't keep the ball well enough, but I think it was a, it's one of those performances where you like to see as a fan is those pr- professional performances. We were solid, didn't really give them much, um, weren't very fluid on the eye from our point of view, but got the job done and it's three points um, and a clean sheet, which um, is a, a rare occasion for us this season, um, which is probably the downfall of our season. Um, but yeah, it gives us something to build on. We've got some games coming up um, against everyone above us, more or less. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it was a, it was a good win, but um, yeah, it just gives, gives it that little bit of momentum now with the, with obviously Nigel coming in. Kind of the best time to sort of start hitting a bit of form, isn't it? I think, um, yeah. unfortunately for us, maybe if we do drop into the playoffs, but I'm remaining positive and saying that Sunday and Charlton is not going to happen in the playoffs this season because <laughs> um, that would definitely be a negative. You're touching it just there, though. Uh, yeah. Nigel Atkins is probably, the, well, not the biggest change, but one of the biggest changes, especially since we last spoke. He seems like the nicest bloke on the planet, mm. um, if you go by his Twitter feed. But what have the early impressions of him been on, on Charlton's fans' perspective? Again, we're just echoing that really. I think uh, the way he comes across is, um, I think when, when obviously when Bo's left, you had a couple of um, that you had the usual rumor mill going around. I think Neil Harris was there, and then Kenny Jacket was there. The Cowley brothers were there, and Nigel Atkins was sort of sit, Kirbishly was there as he is for every gleaming job. But um, Bless him. Um, but yeah, he was sort of milling around and no, he sort of went under the radar a little bit. But I think when you look at, you know, the pedigree that he's had at this level with getting promoted with Southampton and, and Scunthorpe and that sort of stuff, he's actually got quite a good sort of um, sort of background, really, for this level. Dealt with 
a lot with uh, with Southampton, especially with the likes of Luke Shaw and James Ward Prowse and Jack Stevens and stuff, where he's obviously encouraged the youth to come through, which is what the new owner, Thomas Sangard, that's what his vision is. So he fits quite well in terms of the, the, the sort of model as a club, the positive vibes. And um, I mean, so from the outset, I mean, he's only been here a couple of weeks. It's hot, And then we had the international break. So um, we've not, he's not really had a lot of time to put his style of play or his ethos, if, as it were, onto the players. But yeah, it's a positive side. And like you say, he's, he's a positive guy. And I think sometimes, believe it or not, you know, some footballers do need a little bit of positivity, which Bose did start with. Um, <laughs> but as it wore on, I mean, a lot of players were called out and, you know, which is Bose style. And he's obviously doing well at Birmingham now, but maybe it was just the right time for Bowyer to go. And, um, but yeah, positive start. But we, he's literally just saying, listen, take it again. We focus on ourselves. We'll win the next game, win the next game. And then it sees where we take us. Um, because again, unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of changes in the summer again. Because um, he's got to do another rebuilding job. Um, but yeah, positive so far, mate. And um, we'll know more after Saturday, I suppose, won't we? I've seen a, um, you said just there, but I've seen the Neil Harris link. Mm. How, how would that one have gone down? Just out of curiosity. No chance. No chance. No chance in hell. I mean, not only, I think, obviously, him being from the other lot down the road, but um, even though my old man's um, Neil it's, um, yeah, it wouldn't have gone down well, let's put it that way. And to be fair, in terms of his style of play, it just wouldn't have, the same as Jacket, it's not really something that we'd really like, but um, it's not like we're looking to be Barcelona or anything, put it that way. But I don't think it would have gone down. I think Cowley Brothers was up there, but I think they were already going to go to Portsmouth. Um, I think Michael Laudrup was in there. He went really short at one point. Um, I don't know why, but I think that's and if you put a score in anything nowadays, everyone thinks it is. So um, I should put my name down. It's just been nice to see the odds on favourite to be manager. But um, yeah, I don't think it would have gone down too well. But I think it was a bit underwhelming for some fans um, when Nigel was appointed. But I think once everyone started looking at it realistically, I mean, who are we going to get? You know, we're not Man City. It's like I think people were saying... Eddie Howe and um, Chris Wilder and that sort of stuff, which was never going to happen. I mean, I sort of held on to a little bit of hope that, you know, Thomas Sandgard, the owner, went big with a massive project and paid Wilder all this money, et cetera, et cetera. But realistically, it was never going to happen. Um, but yeah, I think everyone's positive and it seems like we're, we're moving in a stable, stable direction now, which is mad, really, me saying that as a Charlton fan. But... Um, yeah, so we'll just have to wait and see. But I think this, the rest of this season, it feels like, which could be good and it could be bad. I just think we've, we're playing with a lot more freedom. Um, I don't think many of us are expecting much this year because uh, of the way, how, how inconsistent we are. We're not expecting the playoffs, but they're there. <laughs> so we'll just see, see after Saturday and we'll go on to the next one. So if we lose on Saturday, it's, no one's going to be too down. Um, I don't think because we're not really expecting it, to be honest. With the, the Atkins appointment, I suppose mm. you touched on there, he has got form. Mm. Now, when we appointed Parkinson, that was a really underwhelming appointment and it turned <laughs> out to not really work very well. And, and mm. Charlton aside, um, Parkinson did have form for getting teams out of this league. Um, so I imagine it felt a little similar in that sense to some people, but... When you started looking into it, obviously when we looked into to Parkinson, it didn't look like there was anything other than a long ball game. And I think he's got more to him about that, but he didn't show it at Sunderland. But with Atkins, 
did it make it a little bit more exciting when you looked into it and you seen kind of what he did with Southampton, especially with a new chairman wanting to put in, a new project in place? Does that make a bit more sense when you um, deciphered everything that, that kind of Nigel Atkins has done and, and was in his um, identity, shall we say? Yeah, I think, of course. I think with, um, as you said, like with Parkinson, he, he's a... I know he's obviously classed as a long ball merchant, and but I think sometimes some people get confused with someone who's quite long ball and someone who's quite direct. So I think sometimes you can be long ball, as in, uh, which I mean, to an extent, we've been, when since we got Jaden Stockley, there have been times we are a little bit more direct. But that's mainly because if you're playing it up to a big guy, so similar to you with Charlie Wyke, if you do go that little bit more direct, then it's not in a case of let's just lump it and then see what happens. It's going to go, well, let's go a little bit more direct. Let's go through the thirds a little bit quicker and then see if we can pick up the second balls and play in their territory a little bit more. So um, I can understand that from Parkinson because it wasn't really long ball for us. Um, but I can understand why. But I mean, with Adkins, he's, when he was at Southampton, he's, he, he likes to play positively. He likes to play on the front foot. And his first game, which was against uh, Wimbledon, which again, we start the first half, we were, should have been six, seven nil up because he, which we hardly played this season, was played with two out and out wingers because Bowes always used to play that diamond, which was really narrow um, or you'd go to a flat four. But not, Nigel in his first game just went, no, just going to go with the two wide men. And then um, Liam Miller and, um, well, it started with Washington, but then he got injured and then, Jayasimi came on and we should have been cruising by half time and then defence let us down. So he's obviously coming in with a little bit more positivity. He's a lot more, um, he likes a lot more pace. Um, but the problem he's got now is he's trying to fit his style of play into a group of players that have been built and quite predominantly top heavy in the central midfield department for the Diamond. So it's going to be interesting how he tries and sorts that. But yeah, I think the way, the way he wants to play, I think you can see he's trying to get it down. Um, but it's going to take time. And I think when you have that big man up front, it's so much easier playing as a fullback or a centre-half to always look for the easy option and skip the midfield. But that's where all our ball players are. So that's where the, that's the difficulty, what it, the balance that he's got to address. But we've got, he's got time. He's, I don't think he's any under pressure really getting up this year uh, with Thomas. So, I mean, like I said, if he happens, great. And his job's a lot harder for the summer because... Obviously, trying to build a championship squad when you've only got, I think, in my opinion, we've got an okay uh, League One squad. Um, I think we should be doing much better what we're doing, but it's the defence that's let us down. Going forward, I think we're fine. It's just the defence. So he's got his work cut out. With um, Atkins as well, I suppose Charlton have notoriously brought through a lot of good young players. I mean, someone who I probably only watched for the first time in the playoff final, dare I mention it, um, was Joe Rebo. And obviously I've watched him an awful lot since I've, I've been in Glasgow and he's been, on his days, he's one of their better players. And I think he's not the first person to leave Charlton's academy or come through Charlton's academy and get further forward. Now, when you compare that to Southampton, I suppose, I'm, I'm exciting myself in a way for Charlton fans here because I'm looking at what he did at Southampton. He kind of started that that cog. Um, but with having Sandgard there and that side of things being sorted out, does that make it more of a, rather than the pipe dream, more of a realistic expectation that he could jump you up to the next league and use youth and build on youth and build the academy and things like that? Is it... Is it take the pressure off this season because you know that in the coming years there's actually a bit of a plan? 
Yeah, of course it is. I think, I mean, like you said, you had Jar Rebo and then even the players in the Premiership. Now you've got Nick Pope that was at Cholton, Adamola Lookman, Ezri Konza. Um, like you're saying, we've got, and we've got some youngsters at the club now in Albie Morgan. Um, you've got a young young central midfielder called Aaron Henry, who's I think only just turned 16, 17, who's destined for big things. So we, he's, like you're saying, he's, he gives those youth players a chance. And what he said it, I think, in his Southampton days, is what he did is he had a squad. And at Hull, he'd done it as well. He had a squad. Um, and what he did, he, he trimmed the squad. So he had around, you know, the 2019, 2021 sort of senior players and then he'll have a flurry of the six four five six seven sort of youth graduates that will gradually bring in um and yeah i mean Charlton have always been renowned for bringing players through and uh, i think that's what makes us so good and quite attractive for for not only for for our players but for loans i mean we had christian billick who went to derby um conor gallagher now that's apparently might be playing for chelsea uh, next year in the first team um josh cullen who's at anderlecht so we've always had those sort of players um, who, who who we've helped, whether their own or their other, you know, or their other other teams. So it definitely gives us a lot more enthusiasm of because I mean, Bose did play, you know, Bose did play the youngsters in terms of Albion and stuff. But I think with with Nigel's experience of doing that at the level of the you know the James Ward Prowses and Luke Shaw and that, it definitely gives um, a lot more enthusiasm looking into the future for for us. Uh, in the future years and maybe he can try and bring them in gradually. And he's, he's got experience. He knows it. And his positivity, like we've already touched on, that's going to be great for your young players. Um, they're not going to be afraid to make a mistake. Um, so yes, yeah, it's, it's looking good. Regarding when he did come in, just kind of last question, I guess everyone has the manager they want in their mind. Um, I was speaking to a Portsmouth fan before, uh, they appointed the Cowleys and he wanted Mike Duff from Cheltenham. That was his choice. And everyone has that choice in their mind. Um, Lee Johnson wasn't mine. Mine was Gus Poyet. I'm quite mm. pleased that maybe it, it is Lee Johnson now. But who was your first choice when Boyer went then? <laughs> so we had this, we had a podcast. Um, we've done a podcast after, well, literally just after. And we was trying to think, like just after Bo's left on the Monday, and um, we done a we only we only usually did Thursdays and Sundays, but we done like a sort of special if you want to call it that. I don't want to call it that because it sounds a bit cliche, but um, yeah. And and we were sitting there looking at the odds, and we was just like, we don't really know. Like we've got to be realistic. Um, there were things that you know Matt Taylor, who used to play for Charlton, who's doing okay at Exeter. Um, Mike Duff's a good one. Um, but I mean, I was sort of hoping we would try, probably go down the sort of Daniel Stendel route, or you know. Um, but, you know, and then Nigel Adkins come from nowhere. Um, and at first, when you see it, you're like, oh, that's a, that's a bit a bit of a bit of a sort of one out of the, that, the left wing sort of a little bit. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, when, when you look into it, I think it, it makes sense. Um, and I think I'm glad we didn't go for the usual, you know, the, the, the bog standard one, like, uh, you know, like the Kenny Jackets or the Neil Harris. I was hoping we went for a Stendhal or maybe like a Slavin Bilic or something. I know I'm being a bit optimistic, but it just depended really on how ambitious, um, how ambitious Thomas wanted to go. And he's got, you know, the technical director we've got at Cholton, our Jed Waddy, who was um, at Reading. Um, he oversaw a load of the England setup and the Academy of Excellence and stuff. So he's obviously had a say um, or had an opinion on it, shall I say. Um so, yeah, I mean, it was hard, really, because as a fan, you always think you should get the best one out there, don't you? But 
when you sit back and go, right, where are you? You're like, you know, you're mid-table in League One. You're not going to get Pep out of City or anything, you know? So, um, but you, you'll be surprised. Some people are like, oh, yeah, we should just get Eddie Howe. It's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's got bigger fish to fry than coming down to Charlton in League One, struggling to beat AFC Wimbledon away. But, you know, uh, but yeah, I was. It, when you look at it, I'm quite happy with it. If you want an unrealistic fan base, you only have to look down the road from Sunderland to find Pochettino and the amount of time he gets linked with uh, Steve Bruce gets <sighs> I don't think he's going to go, lads, if you are listening. <laughs> and if you are listening, I don't know why you're listening, but if you are listening, I don't think you're going to get Pochettino at any point. I, I must admit, I used to have quite a lot of Newcastle followers, you know, and Sorry I don't know that. where they've gone. I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's because I'm either tweeting you or retweeting you or liking Roker Report stuff or liking your stuff <laughs> or saying, I hope Sunday will win today. They're probably all unfollowing me. <laughs> so but sure I, had a better night, I had a better night out in Sunderland than I did in Newcastle anyway. Of course he did. Much better night out. So much, better. And I, I genuinely mean that as well. I've lived in both cities and I genuinely much, much preferred Sunderland. A lot um, more chilled, I find. Definitely a lot more chilled. I, I felt less more... Um, I didn't feel as... Like I was aggy. There was a lot of ag I had in Newcastle. It yeah. must have been the sound of my voice, I reckon. It's, it's just... Uh, I just prefer the night. In Sunderland, you've got... Because obviously living in Glasgow, I don't live there, so I get chance to... When I get a chance to go back, you've got Seven, you've got Independent, you've got yeah. like... They are Weatherspoons, but like Lambton Worm was great before it changed its name to Victor's, I think, whatever it was. I'm doing loads of like free advertising here. So if anyone wants to like sponsor the podcast, if you are listening, feel free. <laughs> um, although Viper might want to share the sponsorship, whatever you want. I'm quite happy with free beer. I'll come up, yeah. I'll come up and just sort of share the love down South London. You know, we'll share it all out. Exactly. See? Just just, just sponsor us. And I'm pleased that I, clen- I cleansed your... Uh, I cleanse your Twitter following. That's <laughs> what I would call it. Yeah. Um, I wanted to touch on Sam God a bit because I listened back to the, the podcast that we did. And honestly, it's like two different people speaking. Um, mm. Things have changed that much. But Sam God had just came in at that point. Um, mm. And you've already sort of said this, but being seventh, considering the season of upheaval you've had, it's actually pretty good that you still got that chance. So um we'll look at the ownership change probably in, in depth but he's he only just took over last time we spoke like i said and you you were really positive about it he was making some really good noises um it's hard to judge anyone in six months but how's the first six months of the sand god era been yeah i mean to be fair i mean even um he's obviously uh, when we come out of the embargo we had to sign about probably about 15 players it seems um so he's obviously backed us uh financially and what he's done, which is really, really good, he's built a good structure, uh, which we never had before. When Roland was here, it was just Roland. Uh, and then, obviously, the other lot came along and um, didn't have any money. <laughs> so it was not a lot here. But he's come in, he's brought in, you know, he's, he's uh, bought the women's team. So because that wasn't part of the club. So he's bought that out. So that falls under the group now. He's brought in a technical director, a non-executive director. Um, he's got a commercial director in to, to obviously build the, co- the commercial part of the club. So he, what he's done, he's, he's planted a lot of seeds into the foundations of the club, um, which is what it needed. You know, it needed that. And um, he's because he, he lives in Colorado, um, but he obviously watches every game. He, he's been over what three or four times already um, and watched the games. Um, he's done everything. I mean, I'm trying to think what else he's done. He's, he's obviously got this new... The Valley Pass TV, which if you know, I've been lucky to be part of where we've got um every day or every match day, 
usually with the old what's it uh, i follow or something it's just a yeah. game isn't it yeah but with valley pass tv you've got like sky sports really you've got the build-up of it which will be scott minto and um alan kirbishley and then maybe like a former player um so i think obviously the club and sunderland this saturday they're trying to reach for the maximum or the highest thing ever so um yeah if you're listening make sure you you purchase the pass whatever club whoever you're looking to even if you are a newcastle fan listening just buy it you know and then let us help get this in <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I think things like that, it's just, he's just made it so much easier and he's, he's brought the club together um, and it's made fans feel more engaged, which I think within, mm-hmm. when in the current climate that we're in, a lot of people can start to feel a bit disengaged when you're not going to the football because that's what we all live for, right? We all go work every week and then on a Saturday, you go and meet your mates. Granted, we can't do that at the moment. Well, until Monday outside at a rule of six or two households. Thank you, Boris. But um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think he's done great in terms of bringing the club together. And I've, I've probably missed loads of stuff out, if I'm honest. But from the top of my head, he's literally just revamped the whole club, literally revamped it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just amazing, really. And I think that's why a lot of, yeah, don't get me wrong, fans want to go up. Of course we do. But if we, if we don't, we know that the future is a lot brighter than it once was. Um, whereas before, it was like a pressure that we had to go up because we thought we was going to go bust. If we got relegated when the other lot were in charge, well, I honestly thought we would go under. And we were close to going under before Sangar come in. So, yeah, it's all good, mate, so far. The thing I noticed about him as well, obviously, we've got the horror story of Stuart Donald and, and Methan and whatnot. Um, and they were very engaging with fans at the start and things like that. And, and looking back in hindsight, it's a wonderful thing, probably too much. But when you look at um, Sandgard, he does engage on Twitter and whatnot, but he's not overbearing with it. He's not like a man that's trying too hard to impress people. He seems like he's just a good bloke, doesn't he, that engages as much as he needs to. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, he's on Twitter and he'll respond to a couple of tweets now and again, maybe. But, you know, if we score a goal, we'll be like, oh, yeah, great. Or if we win, oh, great three points, next, on to the next. Nothing a bit, you know, nothing too, you know, PR driven that you can tell it's like right you've been told to say that um, and you know the key thing is when he took over he knows everything about the club he knows about um, how, how, how the club existed how it nearly went out of existence what the fans mean and he's just engaging everyone and instead of him being a dictator and being in Colorado and go right I want this I want this he's built a team around him to run the club for him who know football whereas Roland before with Catria uh, Mier she had no relevance of football whatsoever. She had no experience. So it was, it was very difficult for him to let her manage it because she didn't know how to manage it herself. Um, so he's got everyone doing the jobs that they know how to do. And um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's good as gold. Like, I can't... I mean, he's played... What's he done? He's, he's done interviews. He's done... He's been on TalkSport maybe a bit too much. Um, because <laughs> Jim, White, Jim White loves it, doesn't he? But... Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, like he, he's he's bringing an album out. He wants to play the like the Valley Floyd Road song. He wants to play it on guitar when the stadium's full. Like it's just you know, it's, it seems like he's David Brent. It just feels like um, the David Brent of a, like a footballer. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You know, he, you know, he just sits there playing guitar and he's like white linen trousers and stuff. That's what it feels like. But um, it can't be nothing. It can't be more David Brent than Charlie Methven. It's just not possible to be more. <laughs> David, it's actually he's more David Brent than David Brent is, to be fair. Um, yeah. You mentioned before about the the Valley TV and stuff like that, and it's funny. Like 
Um, you're right in what you're saying about disengagement yeah. within a fan base. And I think going to, not being able to go to the matches and probably the way we were playing and the, the way that I felt the club from a Sunderland perspective was kind of on pause. I got a bit disengaged to start the season. Now I was kind of being engaged pretty much since Lee Johnson's probably came in, probably since we beat Lincoln. Um, I feel a bit more engaged, but then one of the best things, I hate watching the match on the telly. Don't get me wrong. I can't stand it. If it's on Sky, I feel a little bit better because I know the quality is better. But as soon as Kirill Lewis-Dreyfus came in, he must have been looking at like watching the match as Nifel and he was like, absolutely not. And he changed it to have like four camera angles. So now when we're at home, you'll notice on Saturday, there's four camera angles. It's a much better experience. Mm. And it seems like such a small thing, but it totally, the whole fan base kind of just went, oh, brilliant. Fantastic. Mm. And I think we have obviously Frankie and Danny um, who do the commentary and they do a bit of a match thing beforehand. I think Rangers at the moment, um, a few of the clubs have had former players. They'll have a presenter in the ground presenting from there. And it really does at this moment in time make a huge difference. And it's worth Mm. the investment because there's so many exiles for both clubs at Charlton, also at Sunderland. Obviously, clubs like Rangers are going to have exiles. And you can continue that going, but it just feels like that person who's took over your club is actually making an investment in the people by doing that, not just making a gesture, doesn't it? Yeah, no, cool. So I think, like you were saying, have a, you know, for for the away games that we have, yeah, we can't, don't have the benefit that we will on Saturday of multiple camera angles. But before the game in in one of the, the lounges at the ground at the Valley, you'll have Scott Minto and Alan Kirbishley and you'll have a former player where they'll go down memory lane and they'll have a couple of laughs and the jokes about a couple of the stories from the players. And in the home games, they'll do it pitch side like they do for, you know, on Sky Sports, like you were saying, and all the other and BT Sports and whatever else it is. So, um, yeah, I think it, it, it offers so much more. And to be fair, I mean, it's, it's only £10, but if you bought a season ticket anyway, like I did at the beginning of the season, you just use that, you get it back in like, they call it Cholton or CAFC cash. So you can use that to buy those sort of games. And um, even if you don't have a season ticket, it's like 10 quid, which is cheaper than a match ticket anyway. Um, and not only that, you're putting money back into the club, which is obviously increasing your commercial sales, which does help FFP, right? So better better wages and all that jazz. Um, but yeah, I just think, and, and, and like you were saying, it just the experience of a match day is so much better than just sitting down and just like watching I follow where you've got some two random commentators that you don't even know. Like one from... I don't know, one from Barcelona, one from Bristol. And, you know, you don't, you don't really know, you don't really feel it. And shit. But when you've got all that happening, you're like, yeah, I'm going to... Scott Minto, you know, looking at the last week, looking at the team, looking at the opposition, this mustard. But, um, yeah, no, 100%, it's made it a lot more engaged uh, for fans. And I think if your owner's done the same about the different angles, that's what we've done as well. So I think it's, it's brilliant. And it's just a shame that not all clubs can do it because of the money. So I think we are very fortunate to have it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think um, the experience has been so much better. I'm kind of ready to get back in the stadium, right? Don't get me mm. wrong. But um, at the same time, I think it's the best of what we can get at the moment. And I'm pleased he's invested in that because it does matter. Um, one thing I found quite... Because um, it's fair to say Charlton can be an entertaining side from a neutral perspective because of the things that have gone on. Um, to the point where it got kind of sad at a point, though, as well. But when Boyer left, that was quite a big story. And I was kind of taken back a little bit, I suppose, from the outside looking in because he he kind of became immersed as 
I, I noticed them both, Charlton and Boyer, were like a thing because he'd been there as a player when I was young and, and vice versa. Um, but when he left Sandgard, kind of, I think he went on talk sport, but he said, like, look, I've got like no hard feelings or anything like that. And I was kind of expecting him because he seems like this rock and roll metal Danish guy, whatever it may be, that like mm. um, might have said something a bit more inflammatory. But he, he wasn't, he was quite sort of chilled with it. He was like, well, fair enough. Um, but how did Charlton's fan base take to that? Did you kind of feel in a similar way or? Um, I think it was fair to say it was very mixed. Um, I think there was a few performances before Boya went uh, where a lot of people started wanting him to go. I thought a lot of people um, thought he was going a bit stale, uh, which I can understand to an extent, but there's certain things that you can't, he can't control, like defensive errors that like the errors, I don't know if you see any of the goals against Wimbledon. He wasn't here then, but it was Nigel Atkins' first game. But like we had a goal kick and like we passed it out to our centre back. And then literally was like four yards away and they, they went to pass it back to the goalie, done it short and they scored. And it's like things like that as a manager, you can't control. Um, and it just seemed like every team, like that Rochdale game where we drew four all at home, they literally scored four weldies, like absolute weldies. And I'm not even lying. They weren't. They were like 30 yards, like screamers, like unreal. But um, it got to a point where some people were like, oh, look, Bo, he's got to go now. He's had his time. And then you had the other lot, which was probably me, which you had, you know what, like, like give him a break. Like when we got relegated, he could have left. He had opportunities to go and he stayed. And what he went through in two years of, or three years of management or whatever, some, some managers ain't even experienced in their whole career, you know? And I felt sorry for him in a way. Um, but I mean, when he did go, yeah, I was gutted. I ain't going to lie. I was gutted. But I think it was probably the right time for him to go. Um, we weren't going down. Um, he weren't leaving us in a worse position. Um, I know we've, well, we got relegated last year, but we weren't like languishing at the bottom of the table when he just jumped ship. And I just think he went to another former club in Birmingham. And in my opinion, it, it wouldn't surprise me if, if to, when, when Bo went to Thomas and said, oh, I've got an offer, it wouldn't surprise me if Thomas was like, all right. It, weren't, I don't, it didn't strike me that he'd be like pleading him to, excuse me, pleading him to stay. Um, because I just think Thomas wanted probably to go in his own direction. Thomas is a po positive person, really upbeat. And I think Nigel matches him, whereas Bo can be quite, um, what's the word am I looking for? Harsh, maybe. Um, but that's the way Bo, Bo's is. And, you know, I wish him well and everyone wishes him well. But I think a lot of people did think his time has come and um, he probably needed a fresh start. And he, he had to deal with a lot, you know. Yeah, and it, it was a lot. You're absolutely right. It was a lot. And it maybe, um, again, it's a neutral perspective, but maybe it's, it had got to the point where not it had flatlined, but it had reached its ceiling of what it could do. Yeah. I think he, when he got you up in the first place, it was kind of unexpected. He had all those issues and still got you up and made good signings mm. and brought the youth through and so on and so forth. And it kind of felt like that was the maximum that you could kind of get. It's funny you spoke about defensive problems there and Obviously, the playoff final worked in your favour, but I remember the yeah. defensive mistake that you had there, and I thought, well, you sound like you've improved from a couple of years ago. So, <laughs> um, um, you, you even robbed us of that goal. I'll never forget that. I didn't even have time to celebrate because I didn't know what the hell happened. Yeah, Nabs, yeah. So, like, literally, I, well, I was watching Nabby yesterday. Uh, my word, did his team get pa uh, absolutely pasted. Seven, seven, wasn't it? Oh, I oh, mate, half-time. It's the first time I actually felt sorry for your team in a long time. I thought, like, no, they can't keep this going. They're gonna, this could be double figures. Um, 
but obviously I speak to I speak to Dills a bit. He's doing well at Cardiff. Um, saying that <laughs> he went through a stage where he was saving penalties, clean sheets, and then I think they got tonked five 0 the other day by Sheffield Wednesday. So um, uh, yeah, he's doing all right. To be fair, I'm delighted for him doing well. Um, got to see him go, but you know, championship and all that, all that jazz. Um, but yeah, I mean, defensively, it's just oh dear. So we went at the beginning of the season. We had that crazy spell where we just won like nine on the bounce or something like that and just clean sheet after clean sheet when we had Ryan Innes who's played his first game against Donny with a clean sheet this absolute beast six foot five or whatever he is and um, and we had Akin Famway from Norwich and we were just keeping clean sheets for fun we were solid and then Ryan Innes got injured Famway got injured and we had to deal with like Deji Oshalaja and Jason Pierce. and it was like Bose would play two of them and then one of them would make an absolute monster of a mistake and they play them and they'll do the same again so they drop them then we had to play Darren Prattley at centre-back and then someone else got injured then we had to play Chris Gunter at centre-back so at one point we were playing Chris Gunter and Darren Prattley at centre-half which is like which is mad and um, which Prattley does a job but you know they're not midfielder do you yeah, know what I mean? So, and then obviously we had Matthews there and um, and stuff. So, but we just seem to be giving silly, silly goals away. And it's not forced errors. They're like unforced errors. You know, like you head the ball back and it's short or you pass the ball back and it's short or you switch off or you leave someone like lurking at the edge of the box or free head. They're like silly goals, like avoidable goals. And um, that's what I mean. Going forward, I'm, we're comfortable. I mean, our front line is good. Our front line is very good. Uh, our midfielder's very good. It's just, and on paper, our defence is okay, but we just do stupid things. <laughs> That's the only way I can say we just do stupid things, which has been our downfall. And I think I think if we kept that little bit, that, that you know, kept was, the defence was a little bit more solid, I think we'd probably be in a lot more, um, a better position rather in, in the playoffs. We'd probably be mid-playoffs. I'm not saying we'd win the league or anything like that. I just think we'd probably be a little bit more comfortable in terms of third, fourth, fifth or something and um, not quite, you know, clambering onto a playoff place and looking at other people's games in and around us. So, but yeah, we've got to cut that out and um, and then, well, we'll see how we go. But Ryan Innes is back, Akin Fanwo's back now. So just in time for Sunderland, obviously. And um, yeah, we'll just see how it goes. What's it release? 5-0 now, Saint, wouldn't it? I'll, I'll take that. I'll be all right with that. Sure. <laughs> Um, I was looking through the, the list of players you had that actually played against us compared to the ones you, you played. What, the nil-nil? Uh, yes. Um, one of the most frustrating, boring nil-nils ever um, that game yeah, it was. was. Um, it was like we should have been winning and then Tom Flanagan, I think, got sent off. Then it was just like, yeah. oh, shite, fair enough. Um, yeah. But the turnover of players have been actually a fair amount from the players you have in the squad. Like... Adam Matthews was obviously there at the time, but he's now back in the team, someone we know well. Well, relatively well. He was injured an awful lot with us. Mm-hmm. Um, Jaden Stockley, Alex Gilby from MK Dons is obviously playing now, where previously there was like Oz Toomer who's gone, Johnny Williams has moved, Alfie Doherty's obviously gone to Stoke. Um, how different is the team from the team we faced last time in terms of luck and personnel? A lot different. A lot, lot different now. I mean... Um... I mean, I don't know what was... I can't remember the team in there, but I don't think there was much width in there, if I remember rightly. I feel um, like you played like three at the back and five in midfield, but I could that, be wrong yeah, with that. that. Yeah, that probably makes sense, to be honest. That's probably what he did go for because he didn't trust the two centre-halves, but um, probably. But um, yeah, I know we were solid at the beginning, but I mean, now you've got Liam Miller who can run with a ball and loan from Liverpool. Um, 
and then Canadian boy, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And then Dialang Jayasimi that we got from uh, Swindon, who's quick. Um, so we've got a lot more, well, not a lot more. We've got a couple bit more um, players with pace. Uh, Jaden um, is a lot more, which I think he gets some. Um, he obviously gets he gets he gets uh, labelled as a target man or a battering ram, if you want to call it. Um, yes. But um, he's, I think he offers us something different. He can play as well. Um, I just think he gives us that little bit of strength. Um, and obviously Chuck's on the bench. I think we're a lot more, uh, what's the word am I looking for? We just look a lot more that we can open teams up or we can, or yeah, I'm trying to think of a right word. Not, not, not open teams up, but we look like we can do stuff on the break or make things happen. That's probably what I'm looking for. Whereas that game against you guys, it was like, we could probably could have been playing another week and we wouldn't have scored um, because we were just set up to be solid. And then we sort of let the shackles off a little bit, went too gung-ho and then scored loads of goals, but conceded loads of goals. And now we're coming back into the transition of trying to find that happy medium. Um, so yeah, I just think we're probably a little bit better going forward, um, but also <laughs> a little bit weaker defensively in recent form, but um, we'll just have to wait and see. Because if, I think the thing is with us, you don't know, which is the th only thing that scares me is if we do get playoffs, is we don't know what Charlton side's going to turn up. You'll either have a, a brilliant professional team side, that uh, like a Doncaster, or you'll get, so, you'll get a team that we could absolutely batter someone, um, or you can get a t a t a, against a team like Rochdale where we can see like, four goals out of nowhere. So it's, it, we just don't know which one's going to turn up. As you probably look at by a form, we just don't know which one's going to turn up. So, yeah, that's the only thing. So if you're going to ask me for a prediction, I will not know later on, by the way. <laughs> I'll just go like seven or, seven or something, you know. It's funny you mentioned you didn't know which team will turn up. I can guarantee you if we miss out on the automatics and you get in, it'll be fucking Brazil that turn up, not Charlton like you always bastard do against us in the playoffs. But... <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I, I'm prom I promise you now. I said on Twitter the other day. I said I hope you guys go up Mac. You're not well for two reasons. First, obviously, I think you need a bit of luck, and you know you've done well this year, and I hope to we'll see you go up Walt Mackley. But also, is if you do end up in the playoffs, I just can't. I just can't bear it. I know, I know I'm not even a Sunderland fan. It's just because I know I'm in. I'm going to lose whatever way, right? So if we get you in the semis or the final, if we win, I know I'm going to be hated. But then if we lose, I'm going to hate myself because we've lost. So it's just like, I'm never going to win. But surely it won't happen again. Surely. It can't. I mean, if it, <laughs> if it does happen, and it's going to be obviously, obviously saying that, you know, we got Wembley this year. and Oh, you've got the hood hoodoo gone, haven't you? Yeah. In a way, we have. We're saying we have. But I'm like, mm. if we're not there, did it really happen sort of thing? So I kind of would probably be less nervous playing Charlton, but I would rather just go up. I'd rather just get promoted. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I couldn't remember if, uh, I can't remember. Do you know your game in hand is against? Blackpool. Oh, wow. Okay, fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> home and away, I think. We've got two games in hand on, two games in hand on Hull. That was going to say. And they're both Blackpool, mm. I think, because we haven't played Blackpool yet this season. We play them twice. Um, although they have got, one of our players on loan, who's apparently one of their key players. So yeah, make of it what you will. We're talking mm. of um, talking of players. Normally, I would ask you which some of the players are worrying you going into Saturday. 
but I'm probably going to change my question here because I've kind of got you. Um, we spoke at length about Aidan McGeady on the last show. You admitted you hadn't seen much that impressed you. We kind of weren't that surprised because I thought, well, maybe he, you know, come to the end of his Sunderland career, being ousted for the best part of six months to a year. Lo and behold, he comes back in when Lee Johnson comes in. Um, he's been key, absolutely pivotal. And I still say he's the best player in the league. I don't care what anyone says. Hulk can get naffed off with George Honeyman being the best player. He's not. Um but he's made a big change in our fortunes. So watching from afar, what have you made of the whole Aidan McGeady doing well for Sunderland when he didn't really do much at Charlton last season? Yeah, I mean, it was. I, I'd be lying if I said I was surprised. I, I, obviously, I know he's a good player. He's obviously a very good player for this level. Um, did I anticipate him having this sort of impact? No. Um, but yeah, he's a good player at this level. And I think looking back, especially watching him play, you just knew he wasn't fit. I mean, he came off, he came to us when Parkinson bombed him out, didn't he? And he was training with the under 23s or whatever. And he got some game times here, but he came to us unfit. He had a couple of cameo appearances, but he started one game, but he didn't really do anything because he wasn't fit. Um, if you're not playing for that long and you could tell he wasn't fit because you know, there was a player in there. And even so, even when the playoff final, he was injured and he come off the bench but you could tell he was unfit then, but you can tell he he was he could make a difference if he was fit. Mm-hmm. Whereas when he come to us, you just knew you looked at it and it was like it's a for me, the signing from us, which was because we had the old regime, was was a gamble. And it was a gamble where we just had to get something in to sort of excite the fans a little bit. Um, which it did because he's a good player. It has it has been a team effort throughout the season, to be completely honest, since um especially recently anyway. McGeady might be the key man and Charlie White might be another one that gets applauded. But away from McGeady, Charlie White, is there any players that concern you going into Saturday? Like, you've touched your defences particularly weak, so which which of our attacking players outside of them worry you in particular? Well, I think Max Power always does, stands out. Um, but yeah, you'd say like the, the Charlie White to the world obviously pick up once. Um, Gooch, obviously, I still, he still haunts me when he scored that last-minute goal first game of the season. Um but yeah, I mean, to be fair, most of them will be, you know, I'm not going to say Odin O'Brien because he's from the other lot down the road. So I'm just going to tell you, and Jordan Jones, I think he's obviously done very well since he's come in. I think, look, I, I've not seen him play. Um, but every time I see something happening with you, lot, he always seems to be involved or there or thereabouts. So um, yeah, we're going to have our, our, our work cut out and we're going to need some of those players not to be on form for us to get anything from the game, that's for sure. Yeah, you're totally right about Jordan Jones. I think he gets... He'll not go under the radar for much longer, but I think because of McGeady and White, obviously he does a little bit. But final question is always, you know, it's coming. I know you're not going to give me one, so I'll go first. Because I got one right last week. I've got every single one of them <laughs> wrong, and I got one right last week. Um, I'm I'm really confident at the minute, which is weird. Um, but like, caution the wind, fuck it. Let's be positive for once. So I'm going to say 2-0 to Sunderland. Uh, I think McGeady naturally is going to score because <laughs> that's kind of what's going to happen in it, but what, what would your prediction be? Uh, well, I'm not going to ever predict us to lose. Yeah, of course. Um, but uh, I think, I think we, for us to win the game, we're going to have to be on our A game, which I've not seen enough uh, to go into a side, you know, who, a side that's in form. Um, I'm not going to be rose-tinted spectacles and say we're going to win, but if we're going to win, we're going to have to be on our A game. I'll go for Desmond, Desmond 2-2. I'm going to go. 
Yeah, it's not gonna happen. We'll we'll, we'll get we'll get spanked three 0 but I'm not gonna say that live on air, am I? No. <laughs> Nath, thanks for joining me. Much as always, nice fighting through technical issues, but we got there in the end. Mm. Um, appreciate it. Good luck for the rest of the season. After that, I mean that. I've always had a good experience of Charlton fans. Um, maybe because you, you feel pity for us, but well, you said good luck for the rest of the season. That might include a playoff, mate. Nah, we're going to go automatic <laughs> this season. I'm going to just go dead confident with it. I'm going to just I, go I dead confident with it. I'll, I'll be, I'll be amazed if you don't. I mean, those two Blackpool games will be big, but you've got some games in around us as well. So I think if we lose on Saturday, and we've got well, our game in hands against Lincoln, so they're in around us. Um, we've got Peterborough at home, you away, uh, Hull at home, I think. Um, you could do us a favour there if you want. I think so, yeah. Let me actually. Oh, have we actually played those twice? Actually, let's have a look because I've actually lost track now of who we've actually played. Right, <laughs> hang on, I've lost track of the day, let alone who we're playing. Yeah, so here we go. Right, so we've off, we've got Sunderland away, Ipswich at home, Plymouth away, Peterborough home, Crew at home, Accrington away. Lincoln at home and then Hull at home the last game of the season. So you can do us two favours then. <laughs> imagine, right? Imagine, imagine last game of the season, Hull, all, all, you, just need a, you just need us to draw and then you go up automatically and then we fucking lose last minute. <laughs> and, and then... And we get you in the playoffs. I think you would actually send a hitman to kill me. I think I think I just forget football at that point. Uh, but I'm going to remain no, positive. You're going to do us a favour, yeah. and we're going to go. I up. think you'll do it easy. Um, yeah, of course, mate. All right, then. Nate, take it easy, mate. Thanks for popping on as always, mate. Take care. All yeah, right, take it easy.